interesting. Philippians 4.13 says, All things are possible with me. Matthew 17.20 says, If I can have faith in, with the size of a mustard seed, and I can believe nothing shall be impossible with me. Matthew 18.19 says, Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it shall be done for you by my Father which is in heaven. That's how you muscle exercise your faith. And when you get to where you can speak those things over and over. I like a little lady last night. She may be here tonight. I don't know. They've been here before. But yesterday, a little lady, and if you are here tonight, honey, I don't remember even your name. Because you've got to realize, I talk to people all day long, every day. And so I can't remember everybody's name. But I do remember this little lady last night that called. And I, I, I called, I believe I called her back. And she was in great pain. Uh, it's her back and her leg. And said, my husband and I were sitting there talking about your tape. And said, I have this great pain in my body. And he said, well, why don't you do what Thurman does to it? Speak to it and command it to leave. And so she said, I did. And nothing happened. Said, my husband did. And nothing happened. And she said, I thought, well, God don't love me. So she called me. And so when I talked to her. I don't remember who I, she got me right in. I think I called her back. But anyway, yet last night when I talked to her, I said, honey, God does love you. But I said, he's a faith God. And you've only been coming to my church a couple of months. I said, you think you can have great faith in a couple of months. But I said, it took me 30 years. So don't feel so bad. I said, you know, you may get there a lot quicker than I did. But I said, I'm going to prove to you tonight that Jesus loves you. She said, how are you going to do that? I said, I'm going to command your pain to leave, and I'm going to guarantee it's going to leave. I said, you spirit of pain, you devil of hell, you know that I know that I have authority over you. So I said, in the name of Jesus, I command that pain to leave you now in Jesus' name. And don't you come back. And immediately, the little lady started crying on the telephone. I said, what did he do for you? She said, my pain left. He does love me, doesn't he? I said, yes, ma'am, he does love you. But I said, he's a faith God, and he expects you to know his word. And I said, you're just getting started. I said, I didn't step over into this realm overnight. It took years and years. But I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt. When I commanded that pain to leave her, I knew the king was going to heal her because I spoke it, and I'm his ambassador and when I spoke it, I said, now, I guarantee you, when I speak it, Jesus is going to heal you. And he did. And, oh, what a blessing to hear that little lady bust into them tears and say, oh, Thurman, he really does love me, doesn't he? I said, yes, honey, he loves you. But see, God has bound himself to this earth. He has bound himself to his word. Without faith, it's impossible to please me. Well, she was trying to have faith. Well, she didn't have it yet. But she's trying. You can get it. You know, it, it takes time, doesn't it? You have to study the Word. You have to wake up in the morning when you go and look in the mirror. You don't say, oh, woe is me, it's Monday morning again and i got to go to work. You go in and you look in the mirror and say, glory to God, God's in that thing that's looking there in the, in the mirror. Look at that, God is in me. Lord, let me add them today. Lord, open the door somewhere for me to go out there and do something glorious for your kingdom. I mean, you know, that's how faith comes. And when you begin to say that over and over and over, and take your flashcards and read them and learn a verse, and today quote that verse a hundred times, driving down the road, praising the king, 
thanking Him, wake up in the morning, praising the King, quoting the Word of God. All during the day, quote the Word of God. Read the Word. I mean, I've got Bibles laying all over my house. You know, that are open where I'm at. I mean, every place I have to go to do anything, the kitchen, the bathroom, everywhere i got Bibles laying open. Every time I sit down at the table, I'm reading the Bible. I go to the bathroom to sit down. I've got a little table sitting there with a Bible open where I'm reading. Every, place, every one of them's in a different place. I don't never waste a minute. And today, all I've done all day long is sit in front of a computer with the Word of God open in my hand, teaching the Word of God for at least, let's see, I started this morning about 8 o'clock. I went till 5 o'clock. What is that? Nine hours? Nine hours in the Word of God. Almost. I took about 30 minutes to have a little bowl of something to eat, uh, you know, at, at around 1 o'clock or whatever time it was. But I've been in the Word all day long. Now, you want faith? That's the way you get it. That's the way you get it. It's costly. You know, it's a costly thing. But you can get it. It's, it's, it's an obtainable goal for everybody. But it takes staying in the Word. While we're taking questions. Well, this is a, a testimony I got in an email today, and I thought of you because it's the space uh, uh, system, how they prove the Bible. They, they, they send out a satellite, and this, so they track time forward and backward because they want to know where the planets are going to be oh, yeah, at a I've certain time. Yeah. And I thought, I thought of you because you talk about airplanes and all yeah. this stuff, so I thought I'd bring it to you. Amen. Yes, I have read this before. Uh, I, under, I mean, without reading this, I'll read this later, but I'll tell you the way I heard this, if it's true. It was a group of uh, uh, engineers that was checking the location of the planets for all these satellites that they were going to put up there. And so they was running computer checks back through time and checking everything to see where the planets were supposed to be and where they're going to be in the future so that nothing runs together out there. And in the process of the computers, there was one day missing. One day missing. They thought this is impossible. There can't be 24 hours missing. So they checked all the programming, everything on their computers, they ran it again, and it came up 24 hours missing. They said, this cannot possibly be. And then there happened to be one little guy among the group of scientists said, you know, I read a couple of places in the Word of God where some unique things happened. said, one day Joshua was pursuing an army, and he didn't have enough daytime to pursue them, to overtake them, so he asked God to do something, so God told him to command the sun to stand still. So Joshua commanded the sun to stand still for about a whole day. And that turned out to be 23 hours and 20 minutes. And then he said, there was another time I remember where Isaiah the prophet had told the man of God, that he, the king, that he was going to die. And he said, the Lord said I could give you a sign. Do you want the sundials to move forward 10 degrees or backwards 10 degrees to prove to you that God's going to let you live a few more years? He said, well, the sundials are going to go forward anyway. So he said, I want them to back up 10 degrees. 10 degrees. So the sundials backed up 10 degrees. And 10 degrees of the Earth's rotation is 40 minutes. So the 23 hours and 20 minutes and the 40 minutes turned out to be exactly... 24 hours. Now, isn't God awesome? See? 
Now, now, what can God do? I mean, people, people say, give me a break. Do you think you could really command the sun to stand still? If God told me to do it, you better believe I can do it. If God's got something that big, I mean, do you think it's any kind of a problem for God? Now, see, why didn't the Lord just do that on His own? Isn't that something to think about? I mean, after all, He's the King of the universe. Why didn't He just say, I'm going to make the sun stand still? Why did He tell Joshua to do it? Because guess who He gave the earth to? Man. God has limited Himself on this earth. That's just like yes, last night I went down to Dallas to minister to one of these families, uh, her husband. Uh, was very sick, and she asked me to come. I went down there, and she has, they have two sons, and the two boys are both doctors. One of them was there. It was a very interesting evening, two hours with the doctor. You know, very interesting. But the young man knows the Word of God. I was impressed with his knowledge of the Word. I really was. I don't know how old he is, but he's a, a young man in his, well, I don't know, uh, Sometimes you miss it in the late 30s, early 40s, or whatever, maybe 30s, I guess. Somewhere in his 30s, because he's a doctor, already a medical doctor. You don't get to be a doctor usually before you're at least 30. And he had a few years under his belt, so anyway, somewhere in that age. And we talked about what the difference between knowing the Word like he knows it and believing it. Well, there's a great difference there. Some people know the Word but they're not willing to act on the Word. Just like I told him, I said, now then, he said, Do you, are you telling me you think that you will never need a doctor? I said, no, sir, I'm not telling you I think I won't never need a doctor. I know I won't never need another doctor. I said, I have the best doctor in the universe. I said, now see, with my Jesus, He is the best doctor that there is, and I don't need anything else but Jesus. But I said, now everybody's not there. I haven't been there all of my life, but in the last few years, I've stepped into that realm. I said, so now I know what faith is, or at least I've touched the hem of his garment, and that's all I need. And so I don't need a doctor, and I'll never need another doctor. I said, today the Lord, he even give me power over death. He said, I'll satisfy you with long life. The world is yours, life is yours, and death is yours. So he said, you make the choice. So... Obviously, he's given us a choice, a whole lot, whole lot greater power on earth than most of us agree with or think about, because we don't believe we can do any of these things on earth. I mean, I was a traditional Christian for a lot of years, and if you'd asked me these questions, I'd have said, hey, this guy's got a loose screw somewhere, you know, uh, because I didn't know what it was. I really didn't. But when I was there, I never saw a miracle, never saw anybody healed. I mean, I can remember... A good friend of mine up in the hospital in Louisville a few years ago, 20, at least 25 years ago. And this young man had had a heart attack. And he was laying in there in bed. And his wife called me because she knew. She was raised up in the same hometown I was. And she knew there was always something a little funny about me. You know, I was not one of the normal guys that went out and drank and smoked and cussed and all that stuff. I was always in church. You know, I was a man that walked in obedience to God's Word, but I still didn't know the power. Now, here I'm a Sunday school teacher, a deacon, and all those things, and I've stepped over just a little bit into this realm, just barely touching the hem of his garment. So when her husband had his heart attack or whatever it was, and they took him to the hospital, the very first person she called was me. 
He said, Thurman, will you meet me at the hospital? Brian has had a heart attack. And so I did. I met her there. We went in ICU up at Louisville Hospital. And I really had no idea at that time the authority and power that I had in the name of Jesus. I mean, gee, if I'd have had any idea who I was or what I could have done, I'd have run in there and laid my hands on him and started rebuking the devil and said, Devil, come out of him in the name of Jesus. Now, a few years later, you know, 15 years later, a man over the telephone calls me and says, Thurman, Bo Jackson, Otho Wayne Jackson, a man that worked for me for 20 years uh, as a, uh, a, a worker in the company that I was working for. I was one of the managers. He had been a very good laborer, worked for me, done a great job for me. Church of Christ wouldn't believe none of the promises of God. He studied the Bible, but the Bible had never become a revelation to him. But it's just like it had been me a few years ago. So when his son-in-law called me at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning and said, Thurman, Bo had a massive heart attack tonight, and he died. He said, we have... Now, his son-in-law was a paramedic, so his uh, wife called her son-in-law first thing, and they called 911. They come out there, and they checked him. They shock-treated him. They done everything they could do. He is dead. His wife said he was sitting up on the side of the bed, and he let out a roar like a freight train come out of his mouth. She said, I never heard such a roar in my life. And he just fell over on that bed, and he was stone dead. You know what that was that left him? The devil. The demon that was in him. That's absolutely right. The demon killed him, and then he left. And as he left, he let out this loud roar. Well, I mean, you know, there he was. I mean, eyes open. I mean, she thinks he's dead, and she's right. He is. So she calls, and the paramedics come. Her son-in-law comes, and they shock-treat him. They do everything they can do. They mess with him for an hour or two. And finally, it's over. I mean, they put up their equipment, everything. There he's laying stone dead. And he picks up the phone and says, Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and call Thurman and tell him that Bo died tonight. It's 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. My phone rang. And he said, My wife answered the phone. And she said, Honey, it's for you. And I listened to it. And, I, and he told me who he was. And he said, Thurman, Bo had a massive heart attack tonight. And we lost him. He's been dead over 20 minutes, at least over 20 minutes now, without a sign of a heartbeat or a pulse or nothing. I said, let's pray. He said, Thurman, it's too late to pray. He's dead. How many of you know it ain't never too late to pray? See? I said, well, then I'll pray. I said, you foul spirit of death, I command you to come out of Bo Jackson. I command you to go to the pit of hell. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to put his spirit of life back in him. I said, Lord, thank you. And he said... My gosh, Thurman, i got a heartbeat. He's breathing. I, he said, I'm going to take him to Irving to the hospital. I said, okay, I'll get up and come on down there. So I got up and put my clothes on, got dressed, and went down and drove Irving. It's a long ways from where I live to Irving to the hospital. But I drove in down there, and I finally got down there about 4 o'clock in the morning or something like that, or 5, whatever it was. And I walked in there, and I found a doctor, and I said, is Otho Wayne Jackson in here somewhere? He said, yeah, he's right down in that room number so-and-so. I said, well, how's he doing? He said, well, the guy's stable, but said he got to have been better off if he'd have died. I said, why would he be better off? He said, well, the paramedic said he didn't have any oxygen to your brain for 20 or 30 minutes. He said, the guy would be a vegetable. Now, see, everybody looks at everything from a logical standpoint. We are totally dead to faith today in the church. I mean, the church is dead. We don't even believe this book. I said, sir, I said, you see those hands? 
We said, yes. I said, those two hands are anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. I said, Jesus told me to lay them hands on the sick. And He said, they'd get well. He said, lay them hands on the sick and they'll get well. He didn't say they'd be a vegetable. You see where I'm coming from? So I, that doctor looked at me like I had two hands. And he just turned and rolled his eyes and walked off. And I can think what he was thinking. He was being nice to me. He was not going to say what he thought. Sometimes it's better to keep your mouth shut. I mean, you know, that's unfortunate. I don't always do that. You know, I should, but I don't. But anyway, I walked in there where Bo was laying, and I reached over and put my hands on him. I said, be healed in the name of Jesus. See, now, all the time before, it's unfortunate that ever t- since he worked for me, I loved the guy. I loved his family, everything. He worked for me for 20 years. And I loved the guy and his family. They were a great family. And he was a great man of God. I will say that when I first hired him, he was a traditional, normal Christian. He goes to church on Sunday. And then as he's working in the workforce, it wasn't anything uncommon to hear him have let out a blurb of profanity. Or things, and one day I told him, I said, You know, Bo, this doesn't glorify our God. I know you go to church every Sunday. I said, I'm sure that since you study the Bible, if Jesus was standing right here with us and you were to let out one of those blurbs, if he was here with us, you wouldn't say that. He said, Well, of course I wouldn't. I said, Well, I, he's here because I brought him. He's in me. I said, Now, if you really know him as your Lord and Savior, he's in you too. So he ain't very far away from either one of us at all times. So I said, why don't you try to control your mouth? And so he, he listened to that, and he did that. And I mean, he quit using profanity, and he walked with the Lord. He got closer and closer, but he would never believe the awesome promises. Every time him or his wife would get ready to go in for surgery, I'd try to go talk to him. I'd say, Bo, why don't you use this promise in God's Word, and you don't have to go for surgery? No, well, Thurman, okay. Yeah, no. But they'd go have the surgery. Then finally, one day he's going to have surgery on his second knee. And his wife had had open-heart surgery already. They had all kinds of problems. The enemy's out there. I mean, just in case you don't know, he's out there. He's doing a good job on us, the church. He's doing a good job on us. He did a good job on me for a lot of years. So, anyway, I told him, I said, Bo, let me give you at least a half a dozen of these magnificent promises God left us in His Word. So I was sitting down there on his desk and I wrote down different places like Matthew 18, 19, John 14, 13, and 14. You know, I mean, I, I just wrote down a whole bunch of them. I said, these are all promises and guarantees in God's Word that you can ask the king for virtually anything and he'll do it. I said, what, will you at least go home and read these? He said, yeah, Thurman, I'll go home and read them. He didn't say a word. Two weeks later, I said, Bo, did you ever read those promises? Yeah, I read them. I said, what do you think? He said, Thurman, you believe like you believe, and I believe like I believe, so don't bother me with those things no more. I said, okay, so I never did bother him no more until he died. When he died, I said, good, he ain't got nothing to say about it now. I hate him. I can help him, right, Bo? He ain't got nothing to say about it. He's dead. So I can help him in the name of Jesus. I can help him. And so I rebuked the devil. He come back to life. He's totally well, totally restored everything, and to this day, nobody in that family will really give God the glory for what He happened. You know, they just think, well, it's just one of those things, right? It just happened that I, 
He just happened to come back to life right after I prayed the prayer or rebuked the enemy. He just happened to get well instead of being a vegetable since he'd been dead 20 or 30 minutes. He just happened to get well. But praise God, he's still alive and well. He's retired now and still living down in Granbury, just doing great. Aren't we glad some people got saved? Aren't we glad some people got saved? Praise the King. It takes faith to make these things work. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We got another question, or we're just about ready. Or here, we got one right here, and then I'll get yours, and then we'll start on that. Last week in, uh, at our home church, of course, they were dealing with James. How appropriate. Our pastor uses one of the proof texts that uh, God really doesn't want everybody to be healed. Oh. And, uh, you know, he had a half of a good sermon. The rest of it was a negative confirmation, I mean, confession. But he was saying, well, you know, what about Paul? Paul, you know, he mentioned the foreign, blah, blah, blah. But then he, one of the other ones, which I could not find but one person, he said two people, Paul had left sick. And so Second Timothy, Trophimus or whatever, was the only one I could find. Yeah. And he was using that as a proof text, which is kind of flimsy evidence for me as far as I'm concerned. Well, yeah, the thing about it is what you've got to realize that I have left a lot of people that I prayed for sick when I left. But in the Word, according to the Word, they were healed. And so, since the Lord does miracles of healing, in fact, he has, sometimes He will allow the gift of miracles, that's over in one of the nine gifts of the Spirit that Paul told us about in Corinthians. One of the gifts is healing, and one of the gifts is miracles. Now, every one of those gifts, at one time or another, has operated through my flesh. It's been awesome to see it, you know, when you, when you see the gift of miracles happen, it's awesome to see God do an instantaneous miracle. And I'll tell you about one. I, I, I got them to film it for me. Only a few weeks ago, I went down to Manny, Louisiana. The, the, uh, Pastor Craig Letts asked me to come back. I'd been down there a year ago, and God did so many wonderful things when I was there. They wanted me to come back. So they advertised, and there was people from several different churches came to the little meeting. It's a small town, so we had a group about this big. And so after I taught about two hours, the man, Johnny Brumfield, which was a Baptist, and he came and sat down on the front row, and I noticed people helping him get in, and he was walking, you know, like so. And they finally got him in, set him down, and after I invited anybody wanted to be prayed for to come up or whatever. Well, he said, sir, I can't come up there, but would you come over here? And I said, sure. I walked around and said, what's wrong with you? He said, well, a tractor ran over my legs in June, two years ago this June. And he said, I've had some surgeries on my leg, but the doctor says, with the way my legs are damaged, I'll never walk again. But he said, I believe God will heal me. Is he saying the right thing? He's saying the right thing. He didn't say, I hope he will. He said, I know God is able and I believe he will heal me. I said, sir, you're saying the right thing. So I knelt down this man and when I knelt down beside him right here and put my hands on his leg, I thought, wow, some kind of great big, of course, his leg's just sticking straight out and just stiff and a great big old thing. I said, wow, what's all that stuff under your britches? He said, that's a steel brace. I got on my leg so I can stand up. I said, well, Father, in the name of Jesus, you said in your word that I could ask you anything. I said, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to completely heal and restore that knee and make it like brand new right now in the name of Jesus. I said, thank you, Lord. I said, Johnny, 
I didn't know his name. I said, sir, do you believe God? He said, yes, I do. I said, well, then let's show him that we believe him. I said, pull your bitch's leg up. He had a great big pair of real loose pants on. I said, pull your bitch's leg up and take that thing off and throw it away and let's walk. And it takes faith to do that. I mean, the doctors have said, he ain't never going to walk again. So he pulls that bitch's leg plumb up to here and he starts unstrapping all that stuff. And he takes it off and lays it down on the floor. I said, give me your hand. He sat and got his hand and I picked him up like this. And I said, now let's walk. The first step he took, he said, oh, man, that hurts. I said, I didn't say it wouldn't hurt. I said, I can assure you the devil's going to make it hurt. He's going to try everything to get you to not believe God's Word. But I said, take another step. And so he took another step and another step and another step. And I said, you're okay. I turned him loose and he walked. He started walking better. He's crippling a little. He walked around the podium. And he went around the podium. When the third time he went around the podium... He broke down the aisle and ran all the way to the back of the church. He ran back to the front, jumping up and down and screaming and praising God. Now, see, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. Now, God showed up, and so I called him after I left. I, about a week after I came back, I said, Brother Craig, how's Brother Johnny doing? He said, man, that guy's running all over this city telling everybody what God done for him. I said, would y'all film that for me? So they filmed it on both a high 8 and a VHS and sent them to me. And I looked at one, uh, I guess it was night before last when I got home, or maybe it was last night when I got, yesterday I got that. And I sat down and watched that, and boy, there's that guy there in the church. They had a whole bunch of people come over there to watch him film that. And Johnny's talking about how he couldn't move his toes or nothing. And now then his toes work perfect. Everything works perfect. He's just so awesome. And I say, what in the world's wrong with the church? Why don't we believe these promises of God? You see where I'm coming from, right? Why in the world don't we believe this? I mean, after all, what do you do with a promise like what do you do with a promise like Matthew eighteen nineteen? Again I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it will be done for you by my Father which is in heaven. What do you do with that? Hey, you use it. That's what you do with it. You believe it. You don't doubt it. You believe it. Praise the King. I always meant to ask these questions. What if there is no other person but just me alone? I, I say me and uh, Lord Jesus and me, just two, and then we ask. Sure. Is that all I mean, right? But He give you lots of promises. That's only one. That's one but of Matthew the most 18, powerful. Matthew 18, 19, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's if you got two, see. But yeah. He knew there'd be times you'd be by yourself. Yeah. So he put all kinds of promises in there that you can quote just by yourself. Okay. See? But I still can quote that one, uh, even though I'm by myself, like if I said, Lord Jesus and me. No, he said two on earth. Two on so earth. I'd, I'd make sure I always had a second person the with second me person on earth. Jesus me and what? Yeah, yeah, you could do that. Yeah, you could claim that, and that, that would probably fly. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's all cut now. But John fifteen seven has a requirement. You know, you gotta, you got you gotta have met the requirements of that. Somebody over here had a question. Want to go back here? First of all, Thurman, I carry my scriptures that you have given me and laminated them, and they're with me every day. Amen. <laughs> I read them, confess them often. This noon, I called a friend who, four years ago, I began ministering to, who's had intense physical uh, problems. Uh, major cancer, major surgeries. 
And today when I talk to him, and he says he's standing on the word, he's confessing the word, his, his stomach is distended, he's down to skin and bones, his wife says, and he's really getting frail. And I said, if this is your time, then may the Lord take you home. He's about 65, 66, our age. And then I rebuked the demons in him, you know, and he, his wife had said, yeah, he's afraid to call you because he kind of felt that you suggested he had weak faith the last time you talked to him, which was two or three months ago. How do I break through with this man? Because there is something missing. There's a key that he is not grabbing a hold of. How do I break through to this man? Well, number one, it's unbelief of the Word of God. He has not, he's just not built his faith. He's just like Bo was. You know, Bo's problem was unbelief of the promises of God. Now, here, 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 right here, here's a man, right here's a perfect example of a man that walks with God, serves in the office of prophet and everything. And, and he's, as he's walking that, you still got another question, Dick? He has gone to others repeatedly for prayer. And I asked him, I said, when's the last time you, you, he's been here okay. and, talking to Thurman? And he says, I'm just too weak to get there anymore. But he is wearing, he's running out of people to run to. Then what happens? Well, I, I will tell you what. He's, he has more faith in each person that's praying for him than he does in the Word. And it's not faith in me that gets it done, but it's faith in the Word. Now, see, let me explain something to you about this on this question and answer session tonight. If you don't have faith in the Word, unless you run onto a man that's operating in the gift of the gift of miracles or the gift of healing, you cannot be healed. Because God expects you to have faith for your healing. And since I so rarely operate in the gift of healing or in the gift of miracles, since it's so rare in my ministry, why do you think I have a healing school and teach you four or five hours before I pray for you? Because the Word never fails. The Word never fails. But now, the gift of miracles and the gift of healing and all those gifts, those work as the Spirit wills. I can't turn those on or off. Boy, if I could turn on the gift of miracles, I'd keep it turned on all the time. Wouldn't you? Absolutely. I mean, I'd, oh, I mean God knew that. That's why He left it like it was because he knew if I could turn on the gift of miracles, I'd turn it on and I'd use it like a, uh, uh, a genie. You know where I'm coming from, right? I mean, anytime anybody needs anything, if I had the gift of miracles, I'd stop on the side of the road and a guy's got a flat tire or the front, whole front ball joints broke off the bottom of his car. I said, in the name of Jesus, car be healed, bam! And that thing would raise up, the thing would hook back together and everything. But see... The Word never fails. That's just like one day, talking about cars. There is a man that was here Sunday. The man called me just a few months ago, and he said, Thurman, I have, my wife has a 91 uh, Lincoln town car and said, it's got a heavy knock in the engine. He said, it sounds terrible. And I said, well, uh, he said, I, I it had a new engine put in it at the Lincoln dealership about a year ago, and said it's got a two-year warranty on the engine, but said it takes them two or three weeks. To, it took them two or three weeks to change the engine. Said it cost me $5,000 to have it done. And he said, I don't want to have to take it down there and get another one put in it. So he said, the Word of God says, and he said, I've heard you teach it. And he said, the Word of God clearly says, if two of us on earth agree about anything we're asking for, it's done. Does it say that? Anything? 
He said, so pray the prayer of faith for me for that car to be healed. He said, the, the dealer's already come got it. It's on the way to the dealer right now on a wrecker. But I'm, I want you to pray the prayer of faith for me. I said, okay. So I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, you see his faith. You know my faith. So I said, Father, in Jesus' name, on behalf of Matthew 18, 19, I ask you to fix the car. I said, Lord, thank you. It's done. He said, great. I'm going to get down there, and they're going to let that car down. That foreman's going to check it. There ain't going to be one thing wrong with that car. I'm going to call you back in just a little while with a praise report, I guarantee. Do you hear any faith in that guy's voice at all? He gets down there to the dealer. They lower the car down. They put the key and crank it up, and it runs like a brand new one. They check it out. They cannot find one thing wrong with it, not one single thing. About two or three hours later, he called me and said, just exactly what I told you. The car's running perfect. Well, of course, that's been a couple, whatever, two or three months ago, maybe four months ago, time gets by. But he said that afternoon when I left, said that so raised my faith to a new level. He said, I'm driving down the road. He said, he's got a Lincoln Navigator. I was four or five years old, whatever. I don't know the years, but it's a fairly new one, four, five, six years old. He said, Lord, forgive me for not having faith to get that windshield wiper on the back fixed. He said, that windshield wiper motor hadn't worked in months. But he said, Father, in the name of Jesus, you said if two of us on earth agree about anything, you do it. And me and Thurman prayed, but you also said in John 14, 13, if I ask you anything in the name of Jesus, you'll do it for me. So he said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to fix that motor on my Lincoln Navigator, and thank you, Lord, that it's done. He said, now, Lord, it's done. Reached on, turned the switch on, and he looked back, and it was working like a champ. Now, see, that some people say, Thurman, give me a break. I don't believe none of that. Okay, if you don't believe that, it ain't never going to happen for you. You got a question? Or are you just praising the king? No, you Gloria, you probably just praising the king. You know what? This is just so awesome because... <laughs> I have been having car problems. That's why I haven't been getting here on some days because my car kept stopping, right? And so I was... You know, I was in the, I had another car that I was get that I, uh, but I let my mother have it, so I've been driving in. It's old beat up uh, Corsica, and it drives and everything, but I drove it one day, and I turned the switch, and the switch wouldn't come on. So I said, oh, my goodness, you know, here I am, you know, I'll be all dressed up, and I'm under the hood, and my dad said, oh, it's just a story, you just get a screw job, you just get up under it, and you just tap it, you know. So I did it. I got on the ground and went up under there, and I'm laying on my back on the floor and trying to tap this thing on my came on. But I said, Lord, I said, you know, I don't want to, I don't want, I haven't had a car note in so many years. I don't want to go buy another car. And I said, because the cars are too expensive. You know, when I get one, I want to just pay cash for it. I don't want to have a note and pay all that extra stuff that we really don't need to pay. And I said, you know, I really, I was asking the Lord today, I said, Lord, you got to give me wisdom. I asked him to give me wisdom on some different strategies. And Mark, he gave me wisdom today on that. He gave me, it was awesome how he was just giving me all the wisdom on some marketing and real estate. And I said, Lord, I need a, I need a car. I need to get my car fixed, and I just could not. I went to, so I went, I even went to the car dealer. I went to the car dealer, and I went there. I looked at some cars, and I don't want that. I, I left. I looked at some new cars, and I went to this other car place. I ended up back at the, the place that I went to the first time. I didn't go back to the place. I thought I was going back to the place to look at another car, but I didn't. I went there because when I went in to talk to the salesman, he said something. He, he said something about the Lord. 
Then I began to minister unto him. And I sat in his office for almost 45 minutes ministering to him, you know, praying for him, coming to agreement with him, speaking to him. I said, I came back for you. <laughs> I didn't come back for me. I came back for you because he was talking about the Lord had a call on his life and he was doing, you know, ministering and this and that. And, and I prayed that. I said, do you believe God's word just the way it is? Do you literally take it? Would he say this and that? I said, well, have you ever read Matthew 18, 19? Because he was telling me about the problems he was having in finances. And I would give him some uh, testimonies about what God had done for me, you know, because he lives off a commission as well. And uh, I did that. And he said, oh, I just feel that. And he was just, I just began to pray for him. We came in agreement. I said, this is what God says. You born again. And, and we came in agreement and everything. And I said, you're going to call me back. You have my number. So you call me back to give me the praise report. Well, tonight... When I came in here, I was telling Sherry and them about it. That's why they started laughing about the car situation. And I was telling myself, I just, I don't want to buy another car. I, I, I don't want to, you know, have a car payment. And you've never, I, since I've been here, I've never heard you even talk, give a testimony about cars tonight. Oh, wow. When I need this tonight. Amen. And I said, oh, you know, that's all I need to do. You know, Amen. I just need to come in agreement with somebody that can come in agreement. I need my whole van fixed. Everything that's wrong. I, well, you don't put God. Hey, God can do it. I'll believe it. Well, let me he tell can you, do Gloria, it. I need the whole thing. Everything, to, you know, make everything right. The engine and every part just connects to you. And everything that's got to do with the car, I need it all to be running perfect. Well, Gloria, I can't think of two more faith-filled ladies than them two right there right. to play with tonight when this is over. Because God hears both them girls' prayers now. They know how to pray in faith. we got to come in agreement because this was for me tonight. Because, you know, out of the blue, you talk about cars. Yeah, you never gave a testimony or anything about a car before. Isn't that amazing? That was, that was tailored for me tonight. I know that. Well, while we're talking about cars, let me tell you another one about a car. Before we get that other question back there, maybe this is just a good question and answer session tonight. You know, since we were late and everything, my throat, uh, monkey wrench throat and everything, it's a good thing to talk about the miracles that God does. Years ago, years ago, I had a, uh, a 94 Oldsmobile that had automatic air conditioning on it. And one day, the automatic air conditioning quit working. So I went out there to check it. And, of course, I get a book. I go buy a shop manual. And I start checking out the circuits, and it says, this could be bad, this could be bad, this could be bad. Okay, so I start checking, and the first thing I do, since this little uh, automatic motorized door that's supposed to select the air conditioning inside, control the temperature and everything, since it was not working, it says the balancing resistors could be bad. And so it says there's one under the hood, and there's one under the dash. And so I check the one under the dash, and it says, I forget now what it's supposed to be, I forget now, like 380 ohms plus or minus 5%. Okay. I checked it, and it's open. It's infinity. So it's, it's open. It's no good. Well, I checked the other one on the outside, too, under the hood, because the two compare each other. So I went out there and checked that one. It told what the resistance was supposed to be on it, and it was open. Both of them was open. I said, well, good grief. No wonder this thing don't work. So, well, no big deal. I'll just run in, call the dealer, get me a couple of them. So I go in there, and I call the dealer, and I said, the inside temperature or sensor that uh, uh, little sensor that's under the hood and the one that's under the dash. And I had a part number out of the book and everything. I said, I need those. I said, do you have them? He said, yes, I sure do. I said, well, by the way, how much are they? <clears throat> he said, the one inside is $250 and the one outside is 150 bucks." I thought, the little dinky things are not that big. 
I said, Lord, I said, that's okay. I said, I'll do something else. <laughs> so I get up and I start outside and I say, Lord, you said in your word that I could ask anything in your name and you'd do it for me. So I said, Father, I could use that $400 a whole lot better for your kingdom than I can to spend it on that old car. I said, now, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to fix both of those resistors for me and put them perfect in the middle where the resistance is supposed to be. And I said, Lord, thank you. It's done. I go out there and take my resistor, uh, my uh, ohm meter, pull it down and check it, and that one is right dead in the center where it's supposed to be. I go out under the hood, check one out there, and it's dead in the middle where it's supposed to be. I hook everything back up, and that thing worked perfect till I sold the car. I never had another minute problem with it. Now, see... That's what faith is. See, we don't believe God, do we? Now, see, now here's what's wrong with us as pastors today. We have believed what we've learned in seminary, and praise God, I never had that problem, so I never went there. So I, I, I don't have to cross-train myself over again, see? So all i done was read the Word, and coming out of the engineering field, I had to run my life around the book. And so I had to believe the book with no doubt in my heart. So now then I got a book, that's the Bible. And it makes me all these promises. And so when I started reading this book, knowing that I had to read these engineering manuals and live my life with those to the letter, and now I start reading this one, and this book supposedly is inspired by the Holy Ghost. You know, it was written down by man, but God is the one that inspired the writing of this magnificent book we call the Word of God. And so I'd read these magnificent promises, and I'd say, hey, that's awesome. He'd give me a blank check. And so I said, Lord, that's too good to be true. I mean, it couldn't be. So I go running up to Dr. So-and-so, and I said, Sir, you're a doctor of theology at the seminary. You come over to our church to visit. Would you mind telling me what God meant right here? Well, he'd look at that, and he'd, he would explain, third, he would take 30 minutes explaining the way what God said in one line. And after four or five of those guys, one day I said, Lord, something is wrong with this whole picture. Either you meant what you said, or you lied to me. But I said, you told me in Titus 1, 2 that you can't lie. If you can't lie, then this book's got to be right. And you said, let every man be a liar and God be true. I said, Lord, there's something wrong with this picture. I realized these are supposedly your men. They're teaching men in your seminaries. But something's wrong. Either these men don't understand this book, or I don't understand this book. And I said, Lord, I'm fairly well educated. I can read. So I said, Lord, I'm going to start believing your word. And so I started praying in faith for people. And guess what started happening? Awesome things. I started seeing awesome answers to prayer. I mean, a lot of it I did in the business world. I mean, you know, I was, I was a little afraid to step out there with another human being. But I mean, there's no problem. I mean, since I'm an engineer and I need to know how to build and design a piece of equipment, and I, I, I can remember that day that they called me from... Uh, the VP's office, he said, Thurman, we've got a piece of equipment out in New Mexico in Albuquerque that we have had the factory reps there, and they cannot fix that piece of equipment, and we need somebody to go out there and fix it. He said, would you fly out there and fix that piece of equipment? I said, sure. I called the manufacturer. I said, will you send me a, a fax drawing of the wiring diagram on that thing? Because I don't have one. I've never seen one of those things before. So they faxed it to me. I got this fax, get on an airplane, head to... Albuquerque. It's only an hour and a half or two hours. And I'm looking at this drawing. Now, I'm pretty well, I'm pretty well trained at this time. I've taught in uh, all kinds of aircraft circuits, electrical circuits, so I'm not a dummy when it comes to electrical circuits. I understand them. 
But I couldn't figure out how this thing worked. I get within 30 minutes of Albuquerque and I said, Lord, I've done the one thing wrong that I should have done first off. I've got to have a revelation and understanding from you about how this circuit works. I don't understand this circuit. I said, Father, in Jesus' name, would you please show me and reveal to me how this circuit works and what's wrong with that piece of equipment so when I get there I can fix it in record time so I can tell them you showed me so you get all the glory. I laid that thing out in my lap and I began to read it and look at it. And just in a matter of a few minutes, my eyes just begin to focus on certain subjects and all of a sudden it's just like the Lord says, that's it right there. That's the problem. I got off that airplane. They picked me up. I said, where's that piece of equipment? I run in there and I looked at this thing and I begin to look to see where these wires had all went and I checked. I said, get me an old meter, a volt meter. And he did. And I come over here and I started checking it and I said, there's the problem right there. We fixed it. A minor little tiny problem. They had had everybody, everybody, factory reps and everybody had been there on this piece of equipment. Nobody could fix it. I walked in the place in 10 minutes had it working. Everybody says, how did you do this? I said, simple. I asked God and He showed me how to fix it. You know what kind of problems people have with that when you say that? That's absolutely right, young lady. I mean, what? But hey, he done it. That's a, maybe there is something to what this crazy guy says. That's just like when here just a few years ago when the Pepe Pinto was a VP out here at Skyship when I worked for them. He called me one day and said, Thurman, <clears throat> I know you're not a regional engineer anymore, but he said, we've got a massive problem with our huge ice plant in Chicago. He said, they're talking about lots of money to fix those machines. Of course, they've got to remember. Now, these are not exactly what you call little machines. It takes a humongous building to put two or three of these things in. You know, I mean, when you start putting, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80,000 pounds of ice a day on airplanes, you don't have a little bitty ice maker like you got in your refrigerator at home. They're a little bit more complex than that. Well, all the conveyors and everything else that automatically bags ice and send it to the right places and drop it out. With all the PLCs and everything else it takes to run all that, it's not exactly a little bitty simple thing. So he asked me if I'd go to Chicago and see what I could do. So, of course, you always pray. I get on an airplane, go to Chicago, and in two days, I figured out all the problems with those machines, fixed them, and saved the company $990,000 in a two-day trip. That's a million bucks, any way you look at that. I even got a couple of nice letters from the core VPs over that. How in the world do you do this? Oh, it's simple. I say, guys, it's simple. The Lord Jesus Christ, He gives me the answers for everything. I ask the King, and He tells me. And I, I remember the day that I'd done, I was up in Minneapolis, uh, again, a core VP from the Washington, D.C. office, whenever our offices were up there. He called me and said, Thurman, would you go to Minneapolis? We got a major problem with that project up there, and their guys are telling us they need to shut down the final hole box for six weeks. And then we're going to have to move everything out on the dock and rent a bunch of freezer trailers. And we, we don't have the time or the space to do that. Would you go up there and see what you can do? We can't stand six weeks downtime. So what do you do? Father, in the name of Jesus, show me how to do this. I said, Lord, thank you. So I get on the airplane, go to Minneapolis. I get my notepad and start walking around. And the Lord just starts speaking to your mind by the Spirit. You need to learn to hear the voice of God. If you serve a God that don't talk, you need to learn to listen to Him. You need to ask Him. You need to start believing in faith. 
He talks, and he's no respecter of persons. So if he does it to me, he's going to do it for you if you do it like I do it. When you get off and you say, Lord, I need the answer. Now then, Lord, let me get my notepad and let me go, and you start telling me what to do. Thank you, Lord. I'm thanking you in advance. You're going to show me. So you start walking around and things start coming to your mind. Now see, if you're not trained how to listen to the Spirit, you'll think, gee, I'm smart. Those are just my thoughts. No, they ain't your thoughts at all. They're coming from the King. So you write all this stuff down. All day you walk around there and get that done. At the end of the day, you meet with a general contractor. You say, hey, I need to know what's the shortest period of time you guys can do that box, that great big box in that freezer and all that stuff. I said, we can't stand six weeks. So the next day, the guy meets with you, and he says, you know, we met with the generals, all the contractors, and we have, if we do this and this and this, we can change it from six to four. I said, well, guys, that's not acceptable. He said, well, what do you want? I said, three days. He said, three days? He said, there ain't nobody can do that massive project in three days. I said, sure. I can show you how. He said, sure you can. I said, no, I'm serious. I know the Lord showed me how to do it in three days. Now, for a man that's not a believer, or even if he is a believer, that's a little hard for him to swallow. Because you know how many people today that are believers hear from God? Very few. Why is that? Because they don't spend no time with the king. It's just like if you had a wife that you never come home to. She would not be knocking the door down asking you to come to the house. More than likely. But if you come home to her every day and love her, bring her flowers and tell her how much you love her and all those things, she'll talk to you when you sit down at dinner. She'll say some nice things to you, won't she, Elaine? Yeah, she loves flowers. I'll never met a woman that didn't, you know. They all love beautiful things. They don't do nothing for me. I don't necessarily like flowers. I mean, although I do like flowers, but you could give me a flower and not give me a flower. It ain't going to change nothing about me, but it'll sure change your wife. You bring her a flower, she'll be a different woman. She'll kick, cook you a different meal. You know, she'll do all kinds of good things for you she wouldn't have done before. Be nice to her. But God obviously knew that because that's what he told us to do. But anyway, these men, they wouldn't listen to me. And they said, nobody can do that project in three days. I said, yes, I can. I have eight, I think it was eight men I had working for me up there. I said, me and my eight guys, we could do it in three days. They looked at me and said, no way. He said, if you can do it three days, you got it. I said, okay, I'll take it, but I want four weeks back on the contract. I well, used to be paying them to do the job if I'm going to do it, right? So I go call my VP, my executive VP, and I said, Jim, they won't, let me, they won't believe me. But I asked the Lord, and the Lord showed me how to do it in three days. He said, look, Thurman. Look, he said, three days? He said, I thought maybe you could get it done in three weeks. But three days? He said, Thurman, give me a break. I said, you said you wanted it done as quick a time as possible, didn't you? Well, yeah. But he said, three days would be an awesome miracle. I said, well, I happen to serve a miracle-working God. I mean, we don't believe the king. We really don't in the church. We do not believe God's Word. He made us all these awesome promises. Give us dominion and power over everything and over sickness, disease, and everything. And we explain away everything He did. So, He finally said, Thurman, I don't want you to look like a fool. I said, don't worry, Jesus that never made me look like a fool. He said, Thurman, are you serious? I said, I'm serious. He said, okay. 
He said, I sure don't want you to look bad. But he said, you got it. If you want to, you and your guys, you all do the project. So I spent a week up there showing them in, training them, telling them exactly what we were going to do, what their job was going to do, and getting everything in place ready to go to work. Sunday, uh, Friday night when I got ready to leave, I was up there all week. Actually, this was about three days. I spent the first two days with the other contractors. It was about three days with these guys now, teaching them, training them, showing them what we were going to do. And I said, now then, guys, I want two of you guys to build these temporary walls, and I want you to take them Sunday night, Sunday afternoon when you get ready to go home. I want you to take them in there, and I want you to stand them up and support them under the edge of that wall, under that roof, I mean, to hold the roof up. So that Monday morning when we come in, we'll be ready to take that back wall out. We'll have a supporting wall there that'll be insulated where that they can hold, that'll hold the temperature in the box at 40 degrees so we only lose three foot of the box so we don't even have to rent any cooler trailers out to put them on the dock. So we don't have to have nothing extra. I said, we'll save a ton of money like this. So I said, I'll be back Sunday night. I'll fly back up here Sunday afternoon after church. And I said, I'll be in the kitchen 5 o'clock Monday morning. They said, okay. So when I got there 5 o'clock Monday morning, everything was exactly like we planned. We went to work on that thing. Everybody knew what they were supposed to do. We had a well-planned-out plan. About 7 o'clock that morning, the VP called. And he asked the general manager, said, did Thurman get up there last night? He said, oh, yeah, he's here. He said, what's going on? He said, man, they turned the place apart. He said, well, has it hindered the business yet or the operation? He said, no. He said, we've got full use of everything. He said, no problem. They're not in our way or nothing. So, he said, okay, good. Any problems, call me. Well, everything went so good all during the day. I told the guy, I said, hey, you know, we stop every six or eight hours and have a bite to eat or something. No, and I said, we're going. Y'all tired? No. I said, let's keep going. So we worked all day and all night till 5 o'clock the next morning. Exactly 5 o'clock the next morning, I set the last switch, the last temperature sensor, and the full box was completely done and everything was 40 degrees in that box and it was beautiful and finished all the doors walls everything was completely finished in 24 hours non-stop so at 7 o'clock the next morning the VP called again he said how's Thurman these guys doing he said well I, I guess Thurman what, he said what the hotel he's asleep I'm sure but he said uh, how's the building going he said oh he's through <laughs> he said wait a minute he's not through oh yeah yeah chief he's done he's out of here I mean, the building. I mean, it's up. The freezer's up. Thousand square foot of boxes up. All the evaporators are hung. This thing's 40 degrees. I'm using the whole thing this morning. Beautiful. Got all the room in the world I can imagine I ever need. He said, he said, three days. He said, where is he? He said, well, I guess he went to bed. They said he hadn't slept all day and all night. He said he didn't. He worked from 5 o'clock yesterday morning, and he's still here 5 o'clock this morning, but said he left. He said, when he gets back in, whenever he gets back in, you have him call me at home. So that night, about 7 o'clock, I come walking back in. He said, the chief wants to talk to you. I said, okay. So I called him. I said, what do you need? He said, Thurman, you told me three days. I said, well, that's exactly what it took. He said, no, it took one day. I said, no, 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 no. I said, you know, a normal work day for a normal guy is eight hours. So I said, it took us 24 hours. But we were on such a roll, and we were doing so good, and we didn't want to hinder the operation. We just thought we'd just run a ride on through, and we'd knock the whole thing out. And I said, we finished in 24 hours. It took exactly three days, exactly what the Lord told me. He said, Thurman, I don't hear what you say. That's one day any way you look at it. I said, well, okay, chief. 
any way you want to look at it, that's okay. And that's another one of those projects. I got letters from VPs and core VPs and everything. How in the world do you do these things? I said, simple, guys. I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's my King and my Lord and my Savior. But after all those things, my faith began to get so high in the Lord. Then I thought, well, I can believe Him to deliver and heal a physical body. I mean, if all this other stuff works, why wouldn't it work? He said, lay hands on the sick and they shall get well. So why won't He do that for me? So one day I said, okay, Lord. I mean, you know, a little man or whatever is there in the workplace and, you know, you say, what's your problem? Well, I got this or I got that. Could I pray for you? Well, I guess so. <laughs> See, that's where we are. Are you a Christian? Yeah. Do you go to church? Yeah, I go over to the First Baptist Church. <laughs> Don't want to say it out very loud. Somebody might hear you and think you're a nut because you're a Christian. Isn't that a shame? Hey, if there's anybody in the world that ought to be jumping up and down and coming out of the closet, it ought to be Christians. We ought to be jumping up and down screaming. I'm a son of God. Right, Michael? I mean, I mean, whenever Karen gets healed, she comes over and gets healed. Man, she goes back over there to that big church she goes to, and she's running around there beaming and everything. And Michael says, what is wrong with you? You've been sick all these years. She said, I went over to live in Savior and got healed. He said, maybe I better go over there. I've been sick and afflicted for years. So he comes over here and he gets healed. Isn't that amazing? When people start getting healed all over the place, then we have a real problem trying to explain away when God's promises don't work. And, of course, it's amazing that when you pray in faith, you know why people want to say, well, you know, God said right here, He left Trophimus sick in Miletus, you know, you know, Timothy, you take a little wine for your stomach. You know, I mean, after all, you know, I mean, Paul, after all, Paul was sick. You know, I've been to seminary, I've been to five degrees, and I've asked every doctor of theology, what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? And there ain't never been one yet been able to tell me. I said, well, would you believe me if I told you I know what it is? Where'd you get your degree? I said, well, I didn't go to seminary, but I know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. He said, you couldn't possibly know what it is. I've been to the best seminaries, and I've talked to the most high-up doctors of theology, and they don't, none of them know what it is. I said, well, i got news for you. I know exactly what it was because it's written in the Word. It's not written in the Word. Well, it isn't mine. Maybe they put another line in my Bible. It's not in yours. But I said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Paul where he was writing, he said, There was a thorn in the flesh given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. I said, There it is. It was a messenger of Satan. He said, I asked the Lord three times to remove this thing. I said, Everywhere, this messenger, everything is talking, everywhere he's talking about a messenger, a person, a personality. It is a demonic spirit that was sent, that was given to Paul. And they said, well, God, give that to him. I said, no, wait a minute, guys. 
Did God catch Paul up into the third heaven and give him all this revelation how to get people saved? Well, of course he did. I said, no, wait. Why would I take one of my men? If I, if I were to take a man and I were to take him up here and I'm going to put him in a school and I said, I want to train you how to build and design refrigeration systems. And I've spent three years teaching this guy how to build and design refrigeration systems. Now I said, I've got all these massive projects out there. I want you to go out, but I'm not going to give you a truck to go in. I'm not going to give you a torch to weld with. I'm not going to give you any Freon to work on. Would I be a little stupid? No. I mean, if I had to train him for three years and I teach him how to build and design refrigeration says, I'm going to give him a truck with everything in it he needs to get this job done because I invested too much money in this guy. Now it's time for him to recover. Now, God didn't catch Paul up into the third heaven and train him to go out and teach all the world this revelation, this new mystery that nobody knew, the revelation of God of this new revelation that we're now not walking in sense knowledge anymore, but we're walking in revelation faith. This law of faith. That's the first thing Paul started out in Romans chapter 3. The law of faith. Everything's by faith now. Nothing's by sense knowledge no more. I said God didn't give him that revelation and then send him out there and make him sick. I said this Bible says that a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him. I said, because of his great revelations, the devil didn't want Paul to go forth and do what he's doing. Because I said, everywhere Paul went, they had a revival. People got healed. People got saved. And then a group of Jews would come in and start saying, this guy's teaching you a lie. Hey, he's teaching you a lie? The little man out here that had never had no faith, he's born without any le- that legs that never walked a day in his life. And Paul comes over there preaching. I don't know if Jesus healed or not. And I got this, whatever they call this, I got pus running out both eyes, and I'm weak, and I'm sick, and I'm crippled, and I can't get around. But, you know, God, he, you know, if you believe, God will heal you. Give me a break. I ain't believing that guy. But if that guy walks in, Paul said, I'm strong. I'm not weak. But he said, I bear the marks of Jesus in my body. And you imagine a man walk in and say, look at me. Let me take my shirt off. Let me show you what they've done to me. Can you imagine what his body looked like after being beat with a cat of nine tails five times? Been beaten with rods three times? And this man, hey, I mean, yes, he bore the marks of Jesus in his flesh. There ain't no two ways about it. But he said, I'm still strong. And I'm telling you... And see, here's the thing that Paul had not done. And it's the same thing you don't do. Just like that doctor last night down there told me, he said, Thurman... I'm going to tell you, it's not God's will to heal everybody. I said, oh, what makes you think that? He said, there was a little woman and her husband, and they had a little girl, and the mother come down with cancer. And I diagnosed it, and I checked them. And she was very well within limits of being healed by certain things, medication. And they both said, no, we're going to trust God. And said she got worse. And she got worse, and I kept telling her, you need surgery. And she said, no, we're going to trust God. And he said, that woman died. I have your answer. Number one, she said she was trusting God to heal her. She didn't know who the enemy was. She's begging and pleading and asking God to heal her. 
And she does not know who the enemy was. I used to do that. I'd pray for people and nothing happened. I prayed for some and things happened. And then I'd pray for others and nothing would happen. And finally I said, Lord, I do not understand this. Why did I pray for this little lady and she got healed? And I prayed for this one and she didn't get healed. He said, son, it's real simple. I said, well, would you please tell it to me? He said, the second one had a demon. A demon? I told you to cast out the demon. Get her sins confessed and then cast out the demon. And then he said, she'll be healed automatically. I said, what a revelation. So when I can't get nobody healed now, you know what I do? with? In fact, you know what I do with everybody? I grab you by the shoulders and say, you devil of hell, come out of you in the name of Jesus. If he's in there, when I command, guess where he's got to go? Out. And when I cast the beast out, Jesus said, cast out the devil. He said, didn't lay your hands on him. And what did he say he'd do? He'll heal him. So your success rate goes way up. Way up. But you don't do it no way except in faith. And I'm going to tell you, any preacher that will tell you, that will preach to you and teach to you that God does not heal every time, I don't want that guy talking in my church. I don't want that guy tearing my faith down, do you? Now let me put it to you like this, since we're talking about these kind of things tonight. Let me put it to you like this. Has anybody read in the Word in Hebrews 11:6, where God says, Without faith it's impossible to please me? Anybody ever read that verse? It's impossible to please me without faith. Okay, if he's a faith God, and he says it's impossible to please me without faith, let's say that way back there in the book of Genesis, God says, I'm going to send a Savior, and he's going to save everybody in the world but one. Now, there's going to be billions of people be born on the earth, and I'm going to save every one of them but one. Now, let me ask you from Genesis to the end of Revelation... How many of us would ever have had faith to be able to believe and know for sure we were saved? Not a single one. Because you would never know but what you were the one. There would always be that little bit of doubt in your head and your heart. Lord, I love you with all my heart. But you said you're going to save them all but one. And the devil said, that's right, honey. And that one's you. And you ain't going to get nothing. Would he have any problem deceiving you? Not at all. He could deceive any of us. But what if the Lord says, I come to save the whole world? That includes you, doesn't it, young lady? So you can stump up and down and say, Lord, I believe. I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart, so I am saved. And somebody says, you don't look any different than you did yesterday. Well, I don't feel any different than I did yesterday, too. But how do you know you're saved? And did you see an angel? No. Did you hear any bells? No. Well, then how do you know you're saved? I believe what the Word says. Is that right, Elaine? You just like me, the night you got saved, you probably didn't see no angels or no stars or nothing, nothing. Nothing spectacular happened in your life, did it? You just believed. But since the Word says, I come to save the whole world, that includes you and me, doesn't it? And if it includes you and me, the whole world, I'm part of the whole world. And so I can stand on that promise knowing that one day when I leave this earth, I know I'm going to go to heaven to be with the Lord because I'm going to walk in obedience to His Word. But now then, in that same atonement, 
since the devil came into the Garden of Eden with a twofold curse. Before sin, before the devil came, there was no sin and no sickness in the garden. They were both, they were completely, they were designed and built by God to live in perfect health forever. This body was not going to grow old or nothing. But when the devil came in and put his little part in us, and he became the God of this world, that's where that wickedness comes from that's in you, that evil within you. It's the devil in you. Now, who put that in you? The devil did. Now then, I've heard a lot of preachers say, you know, we're just evil by nature. We do have an evil nature because we have the devil. Now, when you get saved, you're supposed to get rid of that evil nature and you're supposed to stop being evil because you got delivered from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of light and you're supposed to die to sin and live unto righteousness. But the devil knows all your weak points. And he doesn't... In fact, like alcohol, it ain't no problem. The devil has no problem with me with alcohol because he knows I hate that stuff. I don't like to smell it. You couldn't knock me out and pour that stuff down me. I mean, I hate it. But there's other things I'm not quite that strong on. I like tobacco. You could test me with the finest. You could put the... You could put the most beautiful signs of, of, of uh, packages of cigarettes and everything you could imagine, and you think that would even tempt me at all? Absolutely not. I mean, that's not at all. But there it used to, I'll tell you what my weakness used to be when I was a young man. Race cars. I loved race cars. I mean, I could, I could skip church on Sunday to go to the racetrack and race my car. That was my weakness, and the devil would get me off. In fact, one day, years years later, my wife and I had a couple with us, and we was driving down the road out there in Highland Village where we used to live, and the speed limit was 30, and I'm driving about 20, talking to her husband. She said, finally, the lady sitting in the back was my wife. She said, Thurman, would you please speed up a little bit? I said, well, gee, I'm not in a hurry. She said, I bet you've never gotten in a hurry in your life. My wife said, you didn't know him when I met him. Said he used to be a race car driver. She said, Thurman drove a race car. No way. I never believe that. But now, see, if she had been with me that night, when I told Mom, I said, Mom, I'm going to Brownwood tonight. I had a Harley Davidson all souped up. I said, I'm going to Brownwood tonight. Mom said, what are you going to do? I said, Mom, we're just going up there and ride bikes with a few people. My mom knew I was lying to her. She started praying for me right then. I mean, I run some of those road races that night in the dark on back roads. Sometimes I was going 120 miles an hour on a dirt road. You talk about a man that's not a brain in his head. I mean, I mean, at night, you know, with headlights. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm a little smarter now than I was then. You know, so I can associate with some of these young boys. You know, I mean, I was one of those crazy guys one time. And so that night, I won those races. I mean, I took a chance on my life on a $3 little trophy. <laughs> on the way home, I walked in, and I woke Mother up at midnight when I come in to show her my trophy. I come in first place, Mom. She says, I've been praying for you ever since you left. I knew you was going to do something tonight dangerous. I said, that's okay, Mom. I'm a big boy now. I don't need you to pray for me no more. Woo! Does that tell you how dead seriously I was? 
I thank God for a good mother. Amen. For a good mother. Now, some of y'all may have been dumb like I was when you was young. I hope you wasn't. But some of you may. Don't, not, don't everybody speak out at once. Because i got a feeling we were all young and dumb once. We've done a lot of dumb things, haven't we? But praise God, we serve an awesome, merciful God. Because if He wasn't, I know one guy that wouldn't be here tonight. But since He is merciful, I probably know a room full of people that are here tonight because we serve that same God. And He's gracious and merciful. But He is a faith God. And as we get older in the faith, He expects us to believe Him. He expects us to straighten our act up. He expects us to walk holy before Him. And if we do, when the devil comes upon us and starts to test us and tempt us, first of all, we've got to realize that sickness and disease never comes from God. There ain't no sickness and disease in God. It's always the devil. Now then, will God turn the devil loose on you with sickness and disease? Yes, He will. Under certain conditions, if you break certain rules, He absolutely will send that beast and He will put sickness and disease on you. Now then, the secret is to walk in obedience to His Word and then walk in faith. Now then, if you're walking in obedience to His Word and you know who you are, you can overcome the devil and kick him out and you will never have to have another sick day. Now, I'm not preaching something I haven't lived. That's the whole thing. I'm preaching something I have lived over the last 20 years. That's why I can tell you this. I didn't start this thing last week or last month or last year. I started this 26 years ago when the king walked into my root study and spoke to me the first time in an audible voice. And just like Dr. Adrian Rogers told me the other day, he said, Thurman, you have heard God's audible voice? I said, yes, sir, many times. He said, sir... I have been in the ministry 50 years, and I've never heard that authoritative, audible voice. I said, all I can say, sir, is he's God. I said, all I can say is maybe it was easy for him to talk to you in the Spirit, and maybe I was so hard-headed he had to speak out loud to me for me to get it. I don't know. But there's something, something there that God had to speak to me in an audible voice to get my attention. But I said, he's God. He's the CEO of the universe. But I will say... As a Southern Baptist deacon, after God speaks to you just one time in a rhema word, in an authoritative, audible voice, you can't never be the same man again. Never. Your world has changed. And after He's spoken to you 30 times, you sure can't be the same. But He's spoken to me so many times in the spirit world. I mean, I expect Him to answer me, and He has answered me every time I've ever went to Him in the last 15 years, except one time. And that one time was when I needed Him worse than I ever needed Him in my life. My biggest trial and my biggest test was the day my wife and daughter got killed in that car wreck. And that grandbabies are technically dead. I cried out to Him, worshipped Him, and praised Him. And while I'm worshiping and praising Him, in my spirit I'm saying, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. I sure do need a word from You to explain to me what's going on. But nothing. And I get over there and walk into that hospital and look at those little girls. And everybody tells me, it's over. Kelly might live, but Caitlin's definitely not going to live. It's over. I said, Lord... Could I please have a word? Nothing. I said, the word says. I started quoting the word. 
as I quoted the word and stood on it, the next day I said, Lord, on the way home that night, I said, Lord, I've got to have a word from you. What is going on? I said, Lord, my wife and my daughter, they're gone. What is happening? I said, my whole world's falling apart. Please, Lord, explain to me what you're doing. Silence, not a word. And through the entire ordeal, I had to stand by faith and see God raise up all those babies. Nine of them miraculously healed in 30 days. One of my grandbabies and one of them, Kelly, saw him do some of the most awesome miracles. I knew he was there. And in that 30 days, he sent three angels by in the middle of the week at 2 o'clock, 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, a week apart, three times. I didn't know they were angels. The first time this man overtook me, he walked up, overtook me, and I turned to see who he was. Nobody else in the hallway. Guy's looking me right in the eye. When I turned to look at him, he says, The Lord said to tell you, He loves you. And that startles you. You stop it, you don't break stride. It just goes right on. The next week, the same thing happened. The next week, the same thing happened. Two different men every time. Never seen these guys before or since, ever in my life. But that third time, I wasn't afford to hit that wall from the end of the corridor. When that guy overtook me and I turned to see who he was, and he's looking at me right now and he said, The Lord said to tell you, He loves you. And I stopped. He just kept on walking. As soon as he got right there and turned left, as soon as he turned left, I said, I'm going to find out who these guys are. And I ran to the end of that corridor and looked to the left, and I could see 50 yards down that corridor, and there's not a door nowhere, and there ain't nobody in that corridor. That's when I knew that it was an angel. I knew all of them were angels. I said, Lord, you didn't speak to me, but you sent an angel. You're pleased with what I'm doing. You know I'm going through the most devastating trial and time of my life. But you know what you're doing. I don't. You said your ways are so much higher than mine. I don't have a clue what you're doing. But I said, Lord, I'll stand in faith. And I'll see that you get glorified over this whole thing. So I walked through that thing. And I, I, we went through all the whole miracles that's taking place. Everybody's healed. Uh, and then I get a phone call from Sid Roth. And he wants me to come to Nashville. And he wants to film this testimony. Okay, so we get in the van and my granddaughter and we take off and we head up to Tennessee and we get up there and we get on the step that next morning and Sid says, now Thurman, this has got to be perfect. No errors, no flaws. This is going out for the world to see. This has got to be perfect. I said, if I ask you a question or make a mistake, we've got to stop and start over because it can be no mistakes. I said, okay, Sid. So that night, we sat for two hours after we got to that night and talked about this miracle so he'd know something about it and how to talk about it. And in the course of that, I told him, I said, now, you know, I had heard God's voice many times. Well, that next morning when we were sitting there, he said, and he starts out with his questions and like an investigator, you know, and he said, and here's this man, just lost his wife and his daughter and his grandbaby's laying there and the doctor says she can't live and he hears the voice says, pull the tubes and I'll make her breathe. And I said, no, Sid, stop. That's not the way it happened. He said, what do you mean? I said, I didn't hear a voice. He said, I thought you said you'd heard God's voice. I said, well, I've heard it many times. But on this event, I didn't hear it at all. He said, Thurman, you mean to tell me you had the faith to tell them to go ahead and pull that tube out of your grandbaby knowing her brain stem was severed? They'd done two MRIs and there's nothing attached to her brain. 
and you're willing to take what's written in that book and guarantee them doctors that she's going to live when they pull that tube out of her? I said, that's all I had to stand on was the Word of God. And then it hit me. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, that's why I didn't talk to you, son. I wanted you to be able to sit on this set and tell the world if they'll trust my Word. They don't need an audible voice from me. They, I have exalted my Word above all of my names. And all you got to tell the people is all they got to do is believe what I wrote in that book. And I'll do exactly what I said if they'll believe it. Wow! Do you need an audible voice? No. All you need is a written word. What did I do? I confirmed beyond a shadow of a doubt without a single audible spoken word. God didn't even speak to me in my spirit in that period of time. He was totally silent. All I had to stand on was the Word. What do you need besides the Word? That's it, young lady. That's it. And that's when He finally revealed to me. He said, if I'd have spoken to you during this thing, then you would have immediately told everybody what I did. You know, I guess He knows we're just normal people. We've got to flap our lip, right? God spoke to me. or He told me what to do, so I did it. So next time somebody else is in that situation, they say, Lord, where are you? And He don't speak to them. And so they don't have the faith to do nothing. But He said, this way they will know that it's My Word. I have forever settled My Word in heaven. I've exalted My Word above all of My names. And the Word can never be broken. So He said, if you read it in My Word, it's confirmed. If I tell you don't go sin because sin brings forth death, son, I can't go past that. If I tell you to walk holy before me and ask anything in my name, he said, I can't go beyond that. He said, you do, and you did exactly what I told you to do in my word. And so he said, I watch over my word to perform it. So he said, it was no problem for me to put your grandbaby back together. None whatsoever. Did he not say in his word, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could even think or imagine according to the power that's where? Worketh in us. That power, in fact, somebody says, just like in the millennium, I made a statement the other day. I said, this evil nature that we have in us was put in us when Satan came. Because Satan came with a twofold curse. Satan came with sin and sickness. So he brought a twofold curse. I studied the Word of God most of my life before I got a revelation on that. And then I realized that when Jesus came, he came with a twofold remedy. He came with his blood for the sin. And he came with his body and the stripes on his body to heal us physically. So in the atonement, which is where people argue and fuss and fight and bite and scrape and talk about God's not willing to heal all of us every time. I'm going to tell you according to the Word of God, he healed every human being on the earth 2,000 years ago. It's a done deal. It's, I don't care what anybody tells you. Jesus said that I saved every human being on earth so me and Elaine could both, could, by faith, could receive our salvation and know beyond a shadow of that we're saved. Right, young lady? That's what he did. And then he also turned and says, and not in just one place, because he said, I don't want you to use one witness. So in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, he told us that he also healed us physically, emotionally, mentally, it's all right there. He didn't miss nothing. 
And then we come all the way over to Matthew 8, 17, and 16 and 17, and he reconfirms that. I came in the evening and cast out all the evil spirits with a word and healed all the sick. To confirm what was written by Isaiah the prophet, himself, Jesus, bore your sickness and remove your disease. And then in 1 Peter 2, 24, starting in verse 2, 21, he said, Now this is the example I've left for you to follow, that in me there was no sin. So you're to walk in this same thing, no sin. He said, so if you walk in no sin, no deceit, no guile, none of those things, die to self, die to sin, live unto righteousness. He said, then by my stripes you are healed. So he said, if you don't walk out in the devil's world, and if you walk in faith, see the law of faith. When you get to the law of faith, we're free. The liberty we have in the law of faith. You and I are totally, completely free in the liberty of faith. In fact, the apostles themselves, they said, it can't be this simple. I mean, but we came to fulfill the law, so the law has no more hold over us. But it, 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 it can't be this simple. We've we got to get, I mean, we are people, we've got to have something to bind us. I mean, you've got to put a fence out here somewhere. Is that right? I mean, we couldn't possibly just be free in Christ to do anything we want to do. He said, you're, you're free to do anything we want to do. And this is the only commandment I give you. Love one another and love your neighbors yourself. So if, if you love me like you love God, then what are you going to do wrong to me, Elaine? Nothing. So is she free? Sure she is. Somebody said, well, gee, if I'm free, then I can sin. Oh, no. When you sin, you hurt somebody else. Somebody said, well, gee, if I'm, if I'm free, then I'll ask the Lord to give me that man's husband. Well, now, that wouldn't... She said, I love him. Well, okay, you might love him. But if you try to get him and he's already married to her, then you're going to do damage to your neighbor. So that doesn't meet the criteria. You can't walk there. That's not faith. That's lust. It's not faith. When you, when you walk in love, you walk in faith. And so you're not bound by anything. I mean, I, I heard a big, big preacher had a great big doctor on his show the other day, and he made a statement about the dietary laws over in the book of Timothy. He said, now people will tell you that you can eat anything, but he said, that's not true. He said, we must go by the dietary laws under the Leviticus covenant. I thought, that man don't know what faith is. Now then, I will have to say, if you follow those dietary laws under the, under the covenant in the, the law over in Leviticus, you don't have to exercise near as much faith to walk in divine health. I mean, you, especially if you love things like lobster and shrimp and catfish and, and all those kind of things. I mean, but you know, if you want... I mean, as a, as a Christian... What can we eat? Anything you want to. And that, that one guy, I'm watching this guy on a national television program, and this guy is on television all over the world, and this doctor's got on her. He goes so far as to say the Greek word bromo means you can, you're limited to eat. He said the word says meat. The word bromo means you're limited to eat only the foods that were cleansed by the Levitical law. I thought, you know, I'm just going to check him out. I've learned a long time ago, don't never believe anything a preacher tells you unless you can find you can check it out for yourself. 
So I went and looked all that up in the Greek, and guess what? He was totally wrong. Totally. Totally wrong. The word means anything that fell under the Levitical law or anything that does not fall under the Levitical law. So that covers, just like the Word of God says, you're free to eat anything you want to. And that's what it says in the English. So there's only one requirement. Don't be a glutton. Don't eat too much. Now then, if you sit down and overeat, you're a glutton. Don't do that. Sure, be led by the Spirit. But do you think we're supposed to be overweight? No. But this, if you're overweight, is that going to keep you out of heaven? Absolutely not. Did God give you the freedom to eat what you want to? You might get there a little quicker. You see where I'm coming from? Yeah, you may get there a little quicker, but it's not going to keep you out of heaven. I mean, you see where I'm coming from. I'm not down on people that are overweight. I'm just saying that chances... Well, now let me put it this way. Like the first time I met Fred... Fred is a, one of those kind of guys, you know, that's really up there on eating the right stuff, drinking the right stuff and all this kind of stuff. I met him in a health food store. I walked in a health food store, and there's Fred. I walked in there because the lady that owned the health food store, they paid for my radio show. So I walked in to talk to her one day, and she introduced me to Fred. And he was talking about some things to eat. I said, well, that's wonderful. I said, you look like a nice, healthy young man. I'd never seen him before in my life. And uh, I said, uh, have you ever seen God do a miracle? He said, it's been a long, long time. I said, well, let me tell you, you're not walking in faith. I said, so you better take care of your physical body. You better eat the right things. Because I said, without knowing what faith is, I said, you can get to be 40 or 50 years old and be the perfect picture of health. And still the devil will come up on you and kill you and take you out. He looked over at Peggy. He says, Peggy, is this guy real? She said, he's very real. He said, would you tell me more? I said, Fred, you've got to learn what faith is. Faith is trusting the Word of God. Now then, if faith, if Jesus said... In fact, when you take the Word of God... Let me, let me read a scripture to, for you before we quit here tonight. Let me show you something under the new covenant that the Lord gave us. He come to tell us what we could do under this new covenant. Now, there was never a group of people in history that could do what Jesus told us we could do. But just go back to Matthew 17, and we're going to start right there, and I'm going to show you. In fact, let's go to Matthew 10 first. Let's go to Matthew 10. And I'm going to show you what the Lord says we can do under this new covenant. Now, this is a covenant that He's come to seal for you and me. And this is what He told us we could do. And the enemy has so deceived us, we do not believe these things. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Matthew 10, 1. And when He had called unto Him His twelve disciples, He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, who did he leave out there, brother? That pastor that was, you were talking to? Right. Oh, I agree with you. You, you agree with me. Huh? But who did he leave out right there? See, God wanted all his people healed. Yeah. Well, sometimes you just have to preach. You know? Amen. 
But think about this. In other words, let's go back to what the Word says. Now, the Word, right here, Jesus empowered His disciples to, and He gave them power against unclean spirits to do what to those unclean spirits? Cast them out. Absolutely, cast them out. And then, and to heal, well, how many diseases? So what is it we don't understand about all? Now, this is the new covenant. This is a new covenant the king's coming to the earth to fulfill as he's going to show us in the next three years what he can do, what a man can do. And then he clearly said in his word, as the Father has sent me, so I send you to go do the same thing. Now, that's pretty hard to mess up too, isn't it? As the Father sent me. What did the Father send Jesus to do? To save the lost, cast out devils, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead. Whoa! That puts us to the test, don't it? I mean, give me a break. Raise the dead? Well, as long as you don't believe you can't do it. Since he's a faith God, you won't never have to worry about seeing one raised from the dead. I'll tell you for sure. And if there's ever any doubt in your mind that God don't heal everybody every time, if you don't teach it like that, you're going to get very few healed yourself. Because if you don't know in your spirit in your heart that God is willing and wants to heal every human being on this earth, you'll never be able to have the faith to say, be healed, and in turn it's I guarantee you're healed. But when you realize that's an evil spirit that's doing that to you, and it is God's will to heal every one of you and to save every one of you and to deliver every one of you every time, you'll be able to say exactly what I said to Sharon on January the 11th when she said a hundred people had prayed for her. Nobody had ever prayed for her in faith. She didn't know that, but she didn't understand why she had been sick all those years and all the people prayed for her and nothing ever happened. But that night I told her. I said, you never expected God to do what He said He'd do. Now, do you think God expects you to believe what He said? Sure He does. And if you don't expect it, what is that? That's sin. That's outright sin. I mean, just think, He's only God. And if He says, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, I'll do it for you. And you say, well, God, I don't believe you'll do that. That would be just like Elaine walking up to me, and I said, Elaine, I want to, I want to give you this $50 bill. And she reached up and slapped me right in the face and said, I don't believe you're going to give it to me. Well, I'd say in seconds, oh, let me have it back. <laughs> but you ain't going to do that if I had you a $50. Oh, no, you're a normal woman. You're going to say, thank you, servant. I'll accept that. I'm going to be in both. We'll go out and have some eat tonight. Now that I've got 50 extra dollars. And we'll enjoy that too, right, Bo? Praise God. But see... That's what we do to God. Every time we say He can't do something, we're literally slapping our king in the face. I mean, He's only God. If He said, I told you to go out and do all these things, and if you don't believe He can do it, then you're calling the king a liar. Do you think the king likes to be called a liar? I don't think so. So, and these men went out. Look at verse 7 and 8. And He says, And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. What? Pray for the sick? Heal the sick. What's the difference between praying for the sick and healing the sick? You just lay your hand on and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. You don't have to do any begging and pleading to get somebody healed. You've got to build their faith up. When you get their faith built up, you just say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Now, if you can build their faith, now, don't bring me a, a man that is 90 years old that's got Alzheimer's for the last 15 years, and he can't even think and expect me to go get him healed unless God puts a gift of healing or a miracle upon me at the time I do that. That is the only way you can get that man healed. 
Now, can God do that? Yeah, He will. And that's why I go some of those times when I go. When I mean, I went to a hospital here a couple of years ago. There was a lady that heard about me and the things God does. And she said, Thurman, I've seen God heal numerous people in your ministry. said, a good friend of mine is up in the hospital in Denton. Would you come pray for her? I said, sure. So I had a little more time then than I do now. I drove up there to the hospital, went up to the floor and walked in here. And here's a 93-year-old woman. 93 years old. I said, that's the woman you want me to pray for? She said, yes. I said, how long do you think she... I said, how old is she? She said, 93. I said, how long do you think she should live? Well, she said, but I'm not ready for her to go home. But I said, you know, 93 is a nice, long life. See, but I don't want to give her up. I said, but honey, you've got to let her go home. Everybody's got to go home someday. Now, what do you think my chances are? Uh, now, this lady had been to Baylor. You know, she had been taught under the Baptist, so she don't believe healing's real anyway. You know, they don't teach it down there at Baylor. In fact, they teach against it. So what do you think the chances at 93, a sick woman on a very serious sick bed, you know, 93 years old, what do you think the chances are of me building her faith since she's been to Baylor and graduated from the finest schools and got a fine education and she's been beat into her all of her life, God doesn't heal. What do you think chances are of me getting her healed? No, that's right, Elaine. None. That's right. Zero. But I prayed for the lady with all the faith I could muster up. But I told him, I said, you know, just be prepared to let her go home at 93. I mean, give me a break. Now then, what if there's a man like Brother Jim sitting there? I mean, he's trained himself in the Word. I mean, when he gets 93, something happens to him. I go pray for him, cast that devil out of him. Me and him going to stand together. He's going to get up and live another 20 years. Right, Brother Jim? Amen. See, now if a man's been trained like that and he knows the Word of God, then it's not a big deal. But you take somebody who's been trained in a seminary or trained in a, in a college, a, a, a biblical college, and they've been taught these things don't work no more, and they've been beating them to 50, 60, 70, 80 years, and now you're going to change that in one afternoon? No. You ain't going to change it. I mean, you're just not going to do it. So, But when you take that promise right there, what did these men go out and do? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead, right? Well, let's turn over a few pages to Matthew 17. And let me show you what Jesus says you have to have to please Him. Matthew 17. Now, here are these same men that they had been given this power to cast out devils and to heal the sick. And then they come over here, and this man's got this uh, uh, young man in seven, Matthew 17. And uh, starting with about verse uh, 15. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, and he's so vexed for... Oftentimes he falleth into the fire and often into the water. And I besought him that thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Well, this it wasn't God's will to heal him then. If the disciples couldn't heal him, uh, wrong, that's not exactly right. Well, I mean, that must be what we all think. But if we stop reading right there, we could make that decision, right? We could come to that conclusion that it must not be God's will to heal this one because his own disciples had been, you know, they'd been ordained by himself to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And they, this one didn't get healed, and they couldn't get him sick. So, something wrong. It must not be God's will. But look what the Lord says in verse 17. 
Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, you faithless and perverse bunch! How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you or put up with you? Bring the boy to me. You wonder what Jesus is going to say to us? You want to know what He's going to say to the church? If He comes today and wants to walk into the pulpit of every church in America with all the sick and afflicted, can you only imagine if the king called all of his pastors together? Can you only imagine what He'd have to say to us boys? I don't want to hear it, do you, Brother Jim? I got a feeling this would be minor. I got a feeling he's a love God, but I got a feeling when he stood in front of us, he said, You bunch, what is it you guys didn't understand about my word? And I got a feeling we might see a little fire come out of his eyes. Y'all know where I'm coming from? I got a feeling. It ain't going to be too good. That's why I'm trying to teach what the Word says, because I know I'm going to be accountable to the King one day. For every human being that didn't get healed, He's going to say, why didn't you heal him? I showed you in the Word what to do. Why didn't you get it done? Don't you know I come to pay the price? Don't you know I come and defeated that devil? Don't you know I come and stripped him of all of his power and armament? Don't you know I told you I gave you all power over him? So what's the problem? What is it you don't believe about my Word? Mm. Lord, I'm sorry, Lord. That's not good enough. People said, Jesus wouldn't do me like that. Mm. I don't want Him to have to say that to me. That's why I'm trying my best to teach the Word. Just like it says. Now, I'm not trying to go beyond the Word, but I'm trying to teach what it says. But look what He says right there. And Jesus rebuked the devil. Now, what did Jesus do? He rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured when? That very hour. As soon as he cast that devil out, what happened to the boy? He got well. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart. In other words, they ain't about to come up right now. They're going to wait till tonight and come up in the dark. Why could not we cast him out? And what was Jesus' answer? Because of your unbelief. So guess what our problem is? Unbelief. Only we're eat up with it, aren't we? I was really eat up with it most of my life. But I'm getting where I'm not quite so bad now. Not quite. I'm trying to get a little faith, muster up a little faith. And he says, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith. Now what do you got to have? Faith or trust in the Word of God. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto the mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing. I mean, that covers a whole lot, don't it? If i got faith, what can I do? Anything? Now then, surely this couldn't have been in this book, and all these seminary professors reading this book. Surely they must have a different translation than mine. I mean, you see where I'm coming from? I mean, does your Bible read like mine? It says, Jesus said, if you have faith, if you have faith, so what if I don't have any faith? I ain't nothing going to happen, but what if I do have faith? Then he says, you can speak to a mountain and it will remove. Then he says, how much will be impossible with you? 
So, for did he limit us as his children under the new law of faith? He didn't give us no limitations. None whatsoever. And then when you turn right across the page, just one page to Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. Is that a blank check from our king? So why don't we believe him? You know how many people I've got healed with that verse? I couldn't even tell you. I don't even know anymore. People say, but that's not what he meant. Hey, you got to me too late. Right, Brother Jim? Jesus said, if two of us on earth agree about anything, how much you think he loves you and me? A lot. You think if he went to the cross and took that beating so you could be healed? You think he planned for you to be sick? Not on your life. Who is it that's been deceiving you all this time? The devil. How much power did he give us over the devil? All power over the devil. So when I teach these things, I mean, I've had people in a healing school that would come up there and have problems, and just like Bo. Of course, I, I didn't even get to teach Bo. I mean, he just asked the Lord, Lord, everything that man said on him tapes is your word, so why, have I, why am I still sick? And what did the Lord tell him? Because of your unbelief. And just hollered out, Lord, I repent for my unbelief. And that's all it took. Driving down the road in his car, and the king instantly healed him right in his car driving down the road. All he'd been doing is just listening. And he'd been down his back two years. One year virtually mobile, right, Bo? One year you were really down. Yeah. A whole year without being able to do anything, and then he's down another year, and he's a man that loves God, goes to church, serves God, does everything tries to watch what he say and everything. His lovely wife sitting up here on the front. She loves God. They serve God. They try to do everything. But here he is down two years. And then he gets two tapes of mine to listen to them. And then that's the Lord said, Lord, everything that man said on those tapes are your words. Why have I been sick for two years? And the Lord said, because of your unbelief. He said, Lord, I repent. And that's all he had to say. Bam. Was instantly healed. Come back in this church that next week to meet me and said, I want to help you do something. My back has been miraculously healed. I said, well, I'm hanging sheetrock out there in my ministry center. You've got to really be healed if you want to help me. He went out there and helped me two or three days, hang sheetrock every day. Never had a problem. Isn't God awesome? Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay. What did I do with the mic? I laid it down over here. Okay. There we go. In today's world, hundreds of thousands of people are on antidepressants. And I tend to think depression is a spirit sure that is. you can cast out. Um, doctors say it's a chemical imbalance of, you know, you're lacking your neurotransmitters, da-da-da-da-da. So, on the one hand, you would either pray for healing if it's a chemical imbalance, or it w if it's a demon, you would kick it out. So, what is your... Let me, let me turn that up. I think he's too cold. Did he go off? It did. Still running? Hmm. I don't understand that. I even turned it off. Anyway. Okay, yeah, the question Elaine asked. Yeah. The question Elaine asked 
Let me explain something to you. And this, I want you to really get this. Every form of sickness and disease, I don't care what it is, every form of sickness and disease is caused by the devil and his host. I don't care what you've got. I don't care if you're depressed. I don't care if you're oppressed. I don't care if you've got a mole on your cheek. I don't care what you've got that's not perfect in God's sight come from the devil. That's just like the other day a lady asked me. She's had a great big black mole right here on her neck. And her chain, her necklace rubbed it all the time. This woman's 65 years old. She came to one of my Bible studies and she said, Thurman, I have never, I've been in church all my life. I've never seen a miracle. I said, how would you like to see one? She said, I'd love it. I said, that black mole there on your neck, would you like to get rid of it? She said, yes. I said, take your finger. And I opened my little bottle of oil. And I said, touch that finger on that oil. Put it on that and command it to die in the name of Jesus. And 18 days later, that mole fell off of her neck. That one little miracle changed that woman forever. Isn't that so simple? Isn't that amazing? Here's the thing you've got to get in your spirit. Sickness and disease come from the devil. How much power do you have over the beast? If we have all power over the devil, don't you think it's time? Just like Sunday. I'll tell you what happened Sunday. Sunday, I walked into the Baptist church that I teach in on Sunday morning. And here's a group of ladies selling toys. I said, what are you all doing? I know all these ladies well. It's determined one of the little four-year-old boys in our We Care has cancer. And we're trying to raise money for his chemo treatments. That lit my fire. (laughs) And right there in that church, I said, Well, why in the world won't somebody go and cast that devil out of him and heal him and do what God said in his word? And you know what every one of them said? They said, That's your job. They all know that I believe the Word of God. Why is the church eat up with unbelief? Why is the church eat up with unbelief? Why is it I can take the same book and Jesus clearly told me in Mark chapter 16, verse 17 and 18, and these signs shall follow those that believe in my name you shall drive out devils. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall get well. What is it we don't understand about that? It's kind of hard, isn't it? Is that hard to understand? I mean, the first two verses there, we as Baptists build a doctrine around the first two. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And everybody that will believe and be baptized will be saved. And in the Church of Christ, of course, they build a little bit bigger doctrine. See, right there, if you're not baptized, you ain't saved. So see, we, and then we knock down, argue, we get hung up on those two verses. Well, I believe go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? Oh, it's salvation. We're going to get you saved. No, Jesus told them, I give you power to cast out devils, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead. He said, go preach this gospel. That's what he said preach, wasn't it? 
Go preach the good news of the kingdom. If Jesus comes to destroy the works of the devil, 1 John 3, 8. If Jesus comes to destroy the works of the devil, and he destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil, Hebrews 2, 14. And in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, he stripped him completely of all of his power and armament, the devil, triumphed over him, completely triumphed over him. And then he turned to us in Luke 10, 19 and 20, and gave us all power and all authority over the devil. Why does the church let the devil beat up on them? Because they're stupid. We're stupid. I was there 45 years of my life. I mean, he beat up on me big time. And then one day, when I got a hold of what this book says, and started reading it myself. Now when the devil comes to my house, I grab him by the nap of the neck and I say, the word says, and you're out of my house. Whap! And I knock him out. And guess what? I ain't been sick in 20 years either since that. Now if it works for me and God's no respect to a person, guess who it can work for? Everybody that'll believe it. Now then, the devil comes and here's what happens. We get a pain. Just like that poor little doctor down there yesterday. I watched that little girl die. I said, I can tell you right off, that couple did not know the Word of God. They just knew just enough to be dangerous. I said, I can assure you that they, number one, they was not standing on God's Word. They did not understand who the devil was, and they didn't understand they had the power to cast him out. I said, I know preachers standing in pulpits with thousands of people in front of them that wouldn't dare preach a sermon on we have power over the devil. Because they're afraid of the devil. They don't have a clue who they are. They have never, it's never become a revelation. Let me tell you, if I happen to be a son of God, and I'm a joint heir with Christ, and He has put His Spirit in me, now God is in me, let me tell you, if God's in me, I don't have to wait for the millennium for Jesus to come. Jesus is here today. He's in me and you. Somebody says, oh, but Thurman, in the millennium, there won't be no death. They won't, they won't be no... The animals won't eat each other no more. I said, I know I read out all that over in Isaiah. I read all of that. But Thurman, that's because Jesus is here with us. I said, forget that. I ain't buying that at all. Jesus is here now because I brought Him with me. He's in me. You can't get no closer than that, can you, Brother Jim? I, I do realize that in the millennium He'll be reigning and ruling from His temple over there. But His Spirit will still be in us. But right now, Jesus is here. There's only one difference in the millennium. Why, there's no death, no wars, no poisonous snakes, no death, no destruction, no animals eating the others. I mean, the leopard will lay down with the kid. The lion will eat straw with the ox. There's only one difference. You know what that one is? The devil is bound for a thousand years. And then, no death, no destruction, no hospitals, no fire departments. I mean, no, no nothing. No lawyers, no nothing. Praise God. See, no door locks. You don't need no door locks, no nothing. But now then, what happens at the end of the thousand years as soon as the devil's loosed again? It all starts all over again. That same wicked, sinful nature comes right back in us. I'm going to tell you that in the human heart alone, the human heart without the forces of darkness would be a wonderful thing and it would be gentle and kind and it would never do damage to another person. It would never hurt anybody, but it's evil and wicked because of the darkness that's in us. And we 
are supposed to be free from that when we become Christians. But the devil comes back and deceives us and puts thoughts in our mind and says, oh, and he really works especially on women, especially on women, especially after they lose their mate later years. He says, you're just worthless and nobody loves you. He just puts those thoughts in your mind. You know you can't do nothing. You might as well just stay at home. He beats up on women so bad it's unreal what that devil does. When you get a hold of the fact, I don't know how many women I've changed their whole look at life when I say, you're a princess of the king of the universe. And every promise in this book he gave to you and he told you to use them. You can cast out devils, you can heal the sick, you can cleanse the lepers, you can raise the dead. If you'll believe God, He has given us the power. Every promise in this book, when He left, He gave us every promise that was given to Jesus. And then He turned and told us, every one of these promises for my children are yes and amen. Every time. You can't get no better than that, can you? So why do we let the devil beat upon us then? Because of a lack of knowledge. The one thing you need to learn to say when the devil comes upon you with a pain or a symptom, you need to say, devil... I'm walking in obedience to God's Word. I'm a daughter of the King. No, you can't touch me. That's all you've got to learn. No, you can't touch me. And when you say no, and you say it in faith, just like last night when that little girl called me and she was all upset with all that pain and suffering, just like all the rest of you that's in here tonight, many of you here tonight have been healed under this ministry. And that's why you come back and why you bring your friends. Because you received something from God here you didn't get nowhere else. But when that little girl tried her best to get rid of that pain, and she used all the faith she had, but it wasn't enough. Did God love her? Yeah, He loved her. But He's got a level of faith that it takes to reach before the devil has to leave. And He knows exactly where that level is. And if you come up to right here, it's kind of like you used to go to the... I used to go to the little old park deals they'd have in the park down close to where I used to live when I was a little kid. And they had one of them little old things with a, a deal in it with a weight in it, you know, that you hit, took a big old wooden sledgehammer and you hit that and that thing would go up and ring a bell. When I was a little guy, I'd go up there and I'd hit that thing as hard as I could and it'd go up about this high. And I'd swing that thing back and Dad'd say, hit it, son. Bam! And it'd go up about this high. I said, Dad. Oh, he said, son, let me show you how. He'd reach over and take that thing in one hand and say, bam, bang! He said, that's the way it's done, son. Now, what was the difference between me and Dad? A few years. He had a little more muscle than I had. Well, see, when you're trying to get faith, when you speak, you know the devil knows exactly where you're... When you get to where you bong that deal every time, guess what happens every time you speak in the name of Jesus? The devil leaves. That's right. It's God's will to heal every one of us every time. And don't you ever think anything else but it's His will. Because if He come to save every one of us and to heal every one of us on the cross and to deliver every one of us on the cross and then He turned and gave the church all power, do you think He wants the church to be sick? No. Just like He didn't give Paul that thorn in the flesh. That thing came from the devil. The devil knew if he didn't do something to Paul, Paul was going to walk across this earth and start revivals and he was going to bring the entire world to Christ and the devil done something to stop him. And when you start doing something for God, the devil's going to do the same thing to you. But you've got to realize who the beast is and how much power you've got over him. And he cannot touch you.